Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. On tonight's show, Connor Jones joins me to break down the Nationals' 3-1 loss against the New York Mets. We discuss the injury to Max Scherzer and the return of Juan Soto and much more. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nets have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in. Here it comes. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals podcast. Josh Neighbors here alongside me tonight, Connor Jones. It is Wednesday, August 5th, 2020, 9.30, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As we record this, the Nationals fall for the Nets 3-1. They split a midweek uh, two-game series with the New York Mets as they look ahead now and play the Orioles moving forward. A lot to get to. The main story out of tonight's game, Connor, is Max Scherzer going down um, after the first inning. Um, And you and I were talking before here, but – what is kind of you know what is the, the real story here with Max in terms of the injury because it was pretty clear that he was not himself when he came out of the gates. Yeah, I think with that, it was actually good news all considered. The Nats after the game, Max Scherzer was talking, saying that it sounds like a minor deal. So that's where the biggest takeaway from tonight's game is you want to make sure that Max Scherzer comes away healthy because you just can't have him missing starts. You can handle the the singular loss, but having it not be a, a big thing with him is is certainly a positive to take away from this night. Yeah, and it's tough, you know, with the hamstring, and, and he, he tweaks it before the last Blue Jay starts, which makes it pretty impressive that he went through that start and was as good as he was for, I mean, seven and a third inning and does very well during that game. Yeah, I think the way he made it sound was when he retweaked it yesterday, I guess, it – or today, one of the two, whenever he did it before this start, it was a little bit worse. So he said, typically a hamstring injury on that right leg, you can pitch through because it's uh, not the one that's taking as much of the impact as a left leg would for a right-handed pitcher. But so he thinks that it's not too big of a deal. He thought he was going to be able to gut it out tonight, but Kurt Suzuki let him know that his stuff didn't look up to, up to normal after that first inning. And, And I think Max decided it was best for the team if he got out of there. Yeah, and good job by the Mass and Camber crew. They get him kind of, you know, they see a shot of him limping off the mound. And then also, too, they did a good job of digging back and watched him in the bullpen session before the game. And you could tell it was bothering him. I mean, it was very apparent. And his fastball command out of the gate was bad. But obviously, this explains that. I, I think all things considered, Connor, in a three-to-one game, the bullpen comes in in an unexpected spot and does a really good job. Eric Fetty was not great, but only gave up one run, even though he gave up three hits and three walks in three innings. Uh, the rest of the guys, you know, for the next five innings, did a, <laughs> I thought a very good job. And 
Sean Doolittle, who we thought was going to struggle, you know, after that last start because his stuff just does not seem up to par, was the only only spot that was pretty questionable. And um, you know, Sam Freeman administered two walks and got out of that. Suero gave you a full inning. Finnegan looked. I thought Finnegan was sharp tonight, and then Guerra also, as well, was pretty sharp. So uh, the bullpen giving you some positives. This is not last year's bullpen. This is a better bullpen. I think that's what we've seen through the first uh, the first nine games of the season. Not only is it a better bullpen, I'd go as far to say it's one of the best bullpens in the sport. I think that you look at the guys that have really stepped up this year, whether it be Tanner Rainey, Sam Freeman from the left side, um, you know, some of the other guys, Kyle Finnegan, like you said, came in there and I thought did a good job. Guerra, same thing with him. There's a lot of guys that have stepped up that are maybe the guys you weren't counting on to be key guys for you. And the Nats really haven't gotten anything from on the positive side from Will Harris or Sean Doolittle as of yet. So you hope that those guys will come around. Um, Will Harris had a groin thing. So hopefully when he comes back, we see the Will Harris that the Astros had seen the last few years. Doolittle, I, I'm not sure I can really say what's, what's going on there. It's definitely something that's concerning. You hope he gets back right. But overall, a lot of guys have really stepped up and performed better than, than you may think. And I think tonight was, was another example of that. And I'd say overall, it's, it's the, the story of the year so far for the Nats on the, on the positive side is they're finding a lot of guys down in that bullpen that they can count on that maybe they couldn't count on before. Yeah. And, you know, they look different in terms of the actual arms who are out there and just the confidence level. I mean, Dave Martinez, once again, we said this last week, but he's pretty confident in the same group of guys. We've seen the kind of the same group and uh, Suero or Suero, you know, obviously just got activated, but Guerra going out there again and pitching Freeman going out there and pitching again, doing very well. Those two names are ones that we've said a good amount already here, nine games in. So they were impressive. Um, and the, the feel is completely different. I mean, the, the trust level is completely different. So that is positive. It's in yeah. one thing that's so big with that to me with, when the Nats have made acquisitions of the trade deadline and FP's talked about this, some on the broadcast guys getting that, that they bring in that maybe allow them to lock games down at the end, the group that they have this year allows them to, to hold teams where they're at, even when they're down a lot of times, you've seen guys like Ryan Harper. I know he lost the strike zone last night, but overall he's done a really good job and so on. So they have depth there where even when they're down, they can, they can use guys who still give you a chance to stay in the game. They haven't had the depth of the bullpen when they're losing games before where, I mean, games get out of hand. The offense hasn't really picked them up and come back and win one of those games. But like tonight, for example, the bullpen gave, gives you a, a phenomenal chance to win that game. It's just a matter of, you know, scoring the runs and getting the big hits. Yeah. And the hits is where we go next. Juan Soto comes back tonight uh, and no surprise to anybody, two hits, he struck out twice, but that's not really the story. The story is the two hits. Also, a, a beautiful sliding catch out in left field. He, um, he looks great. He looks energetic. We could see him dancing in the dugout last night. It's great to have him back. Um, and I, we'll get to, the, get to the protection part in a second. But as far as it goes for Juan, he is, he's just special. There's no really other way to say it is that there's certain kinds of players that in a sport that like baseball where we're hitting a baseball, we all talk about this and talk, you know, what is the hardest thing to do in sport? I mean, I think it's between playing golf and hitting a baseball and take your pick, but this guy just comes back and seamlessly hit, gets two hits tonight. 
and he's 21 years old and he's just a different baseball player. It's just one of those things that's very easy to see. And um, you just kind of sit back and marvel at it. And really besides, there's, there's not much you or I can say besides those things about him. Just, he's special. That's kind of the bottom line. Yeah, it's one of those things where, where you don't even have to dive in too deep to it to understand the importance of getting Juan Soto back. I mean, he's your superstar in that lineup. You need him in the middle of the order. I think you already saw his impact tonight. I mean, they may get shut out without him in there. He did strike out twice, but you, you see him already coming back with a multi-hit game. So, I, I mean, it's just it's critical for them to get him back, and hopefully it really changes the dynamic of that offense entirely. Um, with Howie Kendrick getting going and Juan Soto – you know, finally slotting into the, his spot in the middle of the order. But he's a guy that brings energy in addition to, you know, what he can just do as a hitter. I think that's something that something that this team needs, and I think that they're ready to, to get into a rhythm where they can play every day and have their superstar in the lineup. Yeah, I want to see what the, you know, what, what the lineup's going to look like when you get a 3-4-5. If this is how they run this. A 3-4-5 of, um, in some variation of Castro, Soto and Kendrick, and you and I discussed how it's going to look. Obviously, it's going to depend on the matchup, and with a 60-game season, it's not always going to be as consistent as we'd like it to be. But uh, I have – I mean, with the way those guys have been hitting, and, and Castro has been excellent so far, and then Kendrick, the one thing about him is that, for the most part, he's hit the ball really hard everywhere. Uh, he had a great night last night, not as good tonight. But I think that you have to be encouraged that those guys are going to come together, and it's weird, right? Soto is the one who has not played at all, and he's the one who actually brought it tonight, and those two guys didn't. But they're going to they're gonna need that 3-4-5. I think that 3-4-5 will bring it in the future. The one thing you worry about, though, and you and I were talking about it before, is that the pop. The pop might not be there. Yeah, when I actually looked at this lineup, I was surprised to see where they came in in slugging percentage. I was doing a little statistical analysis uh, to, see, to see if my uh, assumptions were right kind of coming out of – of the first nine games of the season. And they've actually hit for more power than I thought, but the inability to take a walk is something that really stood out when you're looking at the overall hitting numbers. I think they've walked, walked 20 times this year. The only teams for the most part, maybe except for one exception that have walked less are the teams that have played very few games like the Marlins and Cardinals. So that'll be interesting. Guys aren't really, this lineup's just not, not really built to walk. You don't have many guys outside of Juan Soto that, that are in there to, to maybe, you know, on base guys per se, but so we'll see how that, that shakes out. But I think the, I don't think the lineup's bad. I think the Nats can really get on a, some form of a, a run here in the not so distant future. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the pitching staying what it is, getting Strasburg and Scherzer healthy. I think that with a, with a much stronger bullpen will hopefully take some of that pressure off the offense. Cause it's decent, but it's just – it's not the offense of last year, so you're not going to be able to count on that same production. Tonight's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for pros and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always low. And they offer the lowest prices possible instead of doing what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all, their prices, as I said, always low and the same for pros as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up twice as more for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. 
rockauto.com. Yeah, and the reason we're not, you know, kind of going to this game piece by piece, I mean, when you lose a guy, when you lose Scherzer, and this is kind of, you know, the Mets, how the Mets won their game against the Braves this past weekend, is that, you know, I think that the Nationals should look at this and say that they should be pretty impressed with a 3-1 result, considering losing Max Scherzer and having to go to plan B, C, you know, B, C, D, and E uh, early in this game. So I was, you know, I was encouraged um, by the effort from the pen. I was encouraged kind of overall just – them hanging the game. The problem is that Rick Porcello has been awful so far in the first two starts, and he had his way this tonight. I mean, he had his way. He was getting ahead in counts. I think did a good job of of, um, and he was he was really good. I don't want to take anything away from him, but a guy like that who you know is vulnerable, you're letting him get ahead too much. And this was something that we mentioned before is that they were the Nats have been letting other pitchers get ahead in counts, and it was affecting them. I thought I thought Porcello did a good job of getting ahead tonight too. Yeah, Porcello. I know people joke about his last year and his first couple starts this year, but he did throw the ball really well tonight. And sometimes you have to give a guy credit, and and when they pitch like that, because Porcello is a guy that's won a Cy Young before, so it's not like the guy's incapable of of beating you out there. Despite what his ERA last year, his first two starts would say. So you have to tip your cap to Porcello. I mean, he was tough to hit tonight. He was hitting his spots everywhere. He wasn't putting runners on. No walks over seven innings. And you know, when you do that, you give yourself a good chance to win. What you mentioned as far as the game only being three to one last year, I think this is a game they probably lose something more like eight to one right. rather yeah. than three to yeah. one. It's something that probably gets away from you early, and they still they still had that chance even going into the ninth inning, which to me is a positive. The thing offensively that's so critical is getting Trey Turner going. For years, it seemed like ever since he's been called up and been at the top of that order, the offense just goes as he goes more so than it does with any other player in that order. So. Once he gets hot, I think the offense itself, you're going to see the offense heat up too. It's just, it seems like the trend lines with Trey Turner's individual performance and the Nats offense collectively are so similar. So if he gets going, which you know he will, he's going to heat up here um, at some point. I think that the Nats offense is going to start to perform better as well. Yeah. And his first at bat was, it was really bad. It was so on Trey Turner like, and I think it was either three or four pitches and, Porcello got him out of there fast, especially with a guy who does not, you know, his velocity for Porcello, it's, it's not that great. And obviously he's able to, you know, kind of use uh, a lot of movement on his pitches, but Turner just did not look prepared. And that was kind of a sign for things to come with the rest of his night. Um, the thing I will say, not to, not to cut you off, but the thing I will say about just baseball in general in 2020 compared to other years is that with the so few number of games, I think, people may overanalyze and overlook into individual performances right. or, or how a guy performs over the course of a week. I mean, I'm sure Nats fans remember Anthony Rendon having two awful months to start the season. And then you go back and you look at his, uh, you look at his baseball reference page or something now and see how he finished the year. And you wouldn't know, but the guy struggled for 40 or 45 mm-hmm. games. So in that, if you add Adams in a year like this, people are going to be questioning things more so than they would in maybe a normal year because there's not as much time to turn yeah, I, w- I would just question more the end of you know, in context of the season, right? I mean, it's not – Trey Turner is what he is. Now, is he the MVP candidate that some people have said that he could be, um, you know, on, on some certain national broadcasts? No. But is he an excellent, excellent hitter uh, to lead off your lineup? Yes. And does anything that he does this year 
you know, unless he hits like 190, uh, my, my opinion of that is not going to change. I, I think more what I'm saying is just in context of the shortened season. And yeah, the Nats have been sitting since last Wednesday. You know, this is something that we had to talk about is that, or excuse me, last Thursday. After last Thursday's game, the Nats have been sitting around. So, no, am I worried about Trey Turner long-term? No, but I just think that it is more difficult. And, yeah. you know, the, that first at-bat was just, you know, it was, it was off-putting, I guess you could say. I like, guess, I guess my no point way no was way more so that it's not. It, it's not that people are going to take things as more of an indictment of, their, of the kind of player that they are. It may be as much as it just puts a little bit more pressure on a player to turn things around more quickly than they would in other years. I mean, nine games to start a year, there's 153 left in a normal season. So you're not thinking twice about Trey Turner's batting average or how much he's getting on base. You think that, you know, as Mike Rizzo likes to say, water's going to find its level. But I guess there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency in a shorter year. And especially for him, too. I mean, for him, too, there is more of a sense of urgency, right? Because you lose Rendon, and then Soto's been gone for the first, you know, uh, first eight games of the season. And then, obviously, you don't expect him in game nine to be – you know, the offensive, uh, the, the whole offense. So there, there is more pressure on Turner in, in that way, that there is, there's less games and he is now a more prominent figure on this offense because you take away the other, you know, one of the other prominent pillars of the offense. So, you know, like you say, Connor, I mean, it, it feels like the pressure is heightened, but it is heightened, right? The, the pressure is a little bit more ratcheted up. Fair or not fair, uh, it is. And so, you know, they, they are going to be leaning on him a bit more for better performances than he had tonight. Some people would say that the pressure, the pressure is actually ratcheted down because you're playing a 60 game season where schedules are completely unbalanced and they're throwing 16 teams. And I don't play. buy it. I see. I, some teams I are still don't buy it. I still don't buy it. And I've been saying that. I don't buy it. I don't buy that. I think these, these guys are competitors and I think they're going to feel it. I, I think they, I mean, they're out here competing and I think they, they, they know the realities. And they feel I'm it. not saying that I had, I, I'm not saying I, I agree with that school of thought, but I think that there may be a little bit of validity to it. If you're going to miss a year, I don't think the players feel it though. I just, I just don't think the players feel that. That's not the way they operate. I feel like as competitors. Yeah. I, to some degree, I, and I agree with you. It's just, it's tough when you see a guy like Mike Soroka and the Braves Mets game the other, other night, like a year like this, him suffering that, that tough of an injury. You're just like, wow, that and, to, of all years to have that happen in 2020, it's like you bet you better hope they finish this season because you can't have guys guys tearing their Achilles all for nothing. So if you're going to start it, all I'm saying is I, I'm, I'm getting completely off track here. No, it's fine. You, it, you better I'm finish you. it. Um, all right, so now the Nationals turn their attention to the Baltimore Orioles who are about to – I mean, this is a bizarre season. The, the Baltimore Orioles are about to go through a sweep at the hands – of the Miami Marlins, the Nationals uh, missed last weekend to their Corona issues, and Connor, I'm not sure if you saw, if you've seen who the Marlins are trotting out there for in their roster tonight, but it is a an eclectic bunch as you'd expect for um, for a major league baseball game. Anyway, the the Nats turn their attention to the Baltimore uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Your expectations for this weekend because it is Baltimore at New York for uh four games and then uh another three with baltimore so a good stretch up coming here for the nats yeah well hopefully uh, quick, uh, th- both of those lineups are eclectic you could say i think that a lot of fans just at the game of baseball have probably been tuning out of those orioles marlins games because i can't imagine that they can be too enticing to watch our old friend pedro severino 
is hitting in the five hole for the <laughs> Orioles tonight. I can say I haven't really seen him a whole lot since he left the Nats, but Pedro Severino, to me, he doesn't strike you as a five hole hitter. It's not necessarily where you want him in your lineup. So if he's hitting fifth, there's no telling who, who else they have in there. I mean, there's just some unique, unique names in here, guys that you just may have never heard of. You wouldn't know that they still played. It's it, same thing with the Marlins. This is crazy. Like Ryan LaVarnway, I had no clue that guy still played baseball. But yeah, so this week I'm weekend, not sure he did. Uh, I'm not sure he did before this week. I'm, I, think, <laughs> I think he might have gotten the call, the call to arms that he had. He had to answer the bell. Matt Joyce is out there, uh, I believe, doing things tonight for the, for the yeah, Marlins. It's just, so it's unique—a mix of guys that you might not have known still played, or, or younger guys that have just called up and you've never heard of. But yeah, I mean the Orioles games; those six are big. Just I mean, you got to take advantage of those and win those games. You just can't drop a series to the Orioles, so I don't anticipate that happening. But you know, we'll you know we'll see on Friday. Hopefully, they can get in a rhythm. Like I said, once they start playing every day again, assuming there's uh, no more outbreaks. Yeah, I mean, and also last night the Nats take care of business in a game they should have, and then tonight there's not much they can do. So when you kind of look at what happened over the last the course of these two games, they just played against the Mets. Uh, the correct outcome occurred uh, when, you, when you take into account what happened. So I think as a national fan, Connor, right, you know, it was kind of being the last thing, but uh, you, you feel okay with what just happened as long as Max Scherzer is okay. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the big takeaway. I mean, you hope you, offensively it's a little bit frustrating, but, you know, I think it's pretty clear once Turner gets going with Soto back, you hope that rectifies it a little bit. All right. Appreciate your time. Make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Also coming tomorrow, a Nationals and Orioles preview. Well, coming on Thursday slash Friday, a Nationals-Orioles preview with Connor Newcomb of the Locked On Orioles podcast should be a lot of fun. Before we go, want to let you guys know that tonight's podcast is brought to you by Postmates. If you're like me, you're thinking about dinner while you're eating – 